1: hello and welcome to the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast i'm your host chris crawford today is saturday february 26th and this episode is brought to you by underdog dynasty and Fantrax. i am joined today by my colleague at rotowire someone i've known for a very long time for better or worse drew Silva. drew how's it going
2: i don't know what that was supposed to mean i don't know either I'm still buzzing off that big St. Louis BattleHawks win over your Seattle 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 Sea Dragons. -Dragons. Is that their name?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's that is correct. Uh, Some of the worst football I've ever watched in my entire life. Disagree.
2: uh, Strong disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm sure. Um, That was, uh, you know, it's fine. It's. uh, it, it it was it's funny. Drew texted me like right before the game, and he was like, "Can you name one player?" And I was like, "Yeah, the most famous player in the XFL is literally on the roster." John, I Porter. forgot
2: about it. yeah. I, I didn't. <laughs> I don't think he should be allowed to play in the XFL. Weed um, is a gateway really drug. <laughs> <laughs> no, i just come, coming out
1: hot in our first podcast.
2: Um, I, I, I'm just. I'm ahead. just. Yeah, and I, I, we don't need to to annoy this new audience anymore yeah. <laughs> but i am just like happy to have a professional football team again sure i totally we're, understand we're it both we're both notre dame fans so that's yes like, that's they've kind of been a professional football team for a while yeah. and even yeah. with nil they're even more so um,
1: <laughs> yes
2: i don't know i was i was thinking and i know we should just probably get into the the topic of the day but since this is the first time for us on these Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast airwaves, should we like give some background on on who the heck we are and why we're yeah. here? And-
1: yeah, I I, w- I was thinking of doing the exact same. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Drew and I have worked together for seven years I believe yeah because I joined it I joined the place that we came from in 2016 I'm not going to treat the place that we came from like Lord Voldemort or anything like that but we probably don't need to go too far into that stuff but we've been covering fantasy baseball for a very long time my name is Chris Crawford uh, I wrote about college football and mostly baseball for NBC Sports since 2016 I've also written for Baseball Prospectus, ESPN a whole bunch of places uh, Drew let people know about why you have a level of expertise in this field
2: man so i was almost 15 years there um wow. it was at nbc yeah wrote a world um and yes yeah i know well i started it when i was 20 years old when i was in college um and yeah so if i would have made it to february it would have been 15 years exactly i started in february 2008 does that math Maybe it was fourteen years. I, I, no, that's yeah, yeah that's fifteen years.
1: That, that would have yeah. been fifteen years. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah. Um. You can and tell so, we weren't the accountants. That, oh, sorry, no, we're working, no. By the way, by that math, right? There. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I've I don't know. I've been been playing fantasy baseball since I was in probably seventh grade. Sure. Um. Got into a lot of like real professional industry leagues at a certain point, and I I scaled back on that. Um. Just because it became like. I don't know. We're so busy during the season or we were and are going to be again that like, I was like, this is not fun and I'm becoming bad at it because I'm in so many leagues. I'm I'm sure people listening and people that work at Rotowire feel this pain sometimes. And I'm like, I, I want to like, enjoy it. So I scaled back to the point and, you know, being laid off from, from there. And yeah, we don't have to delve too much into it, but I, I, I just like got rid of all of my leagues. So I, I haven't done a draft yet this spring, which is, the first time in my adult life that I do have not done a draft as of, you know, the end of February, I I, I haven't even done a mock draft. Wow. Um, so like, I, I'm coming at this, maybe almost as more of like a, a casual fantasy manager, which is kind of interesting because yeah. nor, normally by now I'd have like a lot of groupthink in my mind about, okay, this is where this guy went in this league. And I respect all the people in this league. And this is where this guy went in that mock draft. And I don't have any of that. So it's kind of nice, honestly, like to, to just come in clear eyes, full heart, can't lose.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, by the way, that was a show that was on NBC. It's interesting that you would bring that one up. Um, yeah, this is going to be a blast. And we're so excited to be a part of Roto-Wired. I mean, honestly was not expecting to find something as quickly. I don't know how Drew, you feel about it, but I was, I was super excited that they reached out to us. And so what's going to happen is Drew Ryan, or excuse me. Yeah. Drew Ryan Boyer and myself are going to be hosting these weekend shows and we're going to be rotating through. And Ryan is someone that we've both worked for uh, worked with for a very long time. Awesome guy. Awesome guy excellent fantasy analyst i would honestly say he's a much better fantasy analyst than both of us to be completely honest with you i mean it's uh it's just he's he's really smart and he's really sharp and i'm so looking forward to doing this
2: i think he's a better writer than me well Um, for sure and yeah he probably just has more free time than me yeah Yeah. he's got like two kids at least two kids kids.
1: (laughs) and uh yeah that's that's definitely true The, the guy who uh you know, you guys both have uh far less free time than I uh far more free time than I do. My my children are my baseball cards and my three dogs. So those are uh that's really that, sad. My, that, that's yeah, really oh, it's sad. very, very sad. So over the next few weeks, Drew, Ryan, and myself are going to be focused on categories in your standard five by five format. Since so, this is the first one thought we'd start with the run category, because you know what? It's usually the one you see to the very left. <laughs> that, that is a, as good a reason for why we pick the runs, I think, as anything else. Drew, I found the run category to be one that doesn't get as much focus as some of the other categories, but it's a really important one, and it literally all of these can be the difference between winning and losing a league. And, you know, you've, as you said, you've been playing for a long time. How do you typically attack this category?
2: Yeah, I mean you you said it well there it, like it, it's a hard thing to target because it's so situation dependent uh supporting cast dependent right and so you're not analyzing an an, an individual player's skill set really you are a little bit you're taking bits and pieces kind of get on base does does he have good speed but a lot of it is does he have good hitters behind him right um is the situation right for the lineup to to roll over and him to be part of a lot of different scoring situations um, it's not something that you really have at the, at the forefront of your mind when you're going into a fantasy draft. But um, it's something you consider when you click the name there in the, yeah. the user interface for whatever fantasy format that you're, you're participating in. Um, and, yeah, I, that's what the way we're going to do it, the way the user interface usually is on the 5x5 five five scoring. So runs, and we'll do wins on Sunday and go on from there. Um, so yeah, I don't, is there a strategy to finding runs scored? I think there can be later in drafts like, all right, this guy's going in the 200 range and I know he's going to hit lead off a lot in a bad lineup or something like someone's got to score runs there. It might as well be this guy. Um, and we'll get into some of those, those names as we go along. I wanted to ask you actually, before we jump into it, um, So the pitch clock debuted on Friday, Mm, and and it's going to be a lot more prevalent today with a a fuller slate of games. The Mariners played – I wrote that down. What did they play to, like, two hours and 29 minutes?
1: I think that's exactly it, yeah. Two hours, 29 minutes, and – rangers royals i believe was two hours 33 minutes
2: yep and that rangers royals game was a six to five game with a bunch yeah. of you know a typical spring game where there's a lot of changes there's a new pitcher every inning there's new there's like line changes in, in terms of the fielders and to accomplish a six to five game in two hours and 33 minutes i think sure. it's i think it's really cool yeah. um I mean, when I go to a baseball game, I don't mind sitting in the sun for four hours and eating peanuts no. and drinking beer. But for what we do and for watching baseball at home and for the casual sports fan, I think this is going to be a really good thing. And there was one only one infraction in each game yesterday, I believe, too. Manny Machado got popped for one he in like the second or third one. game. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, was it Bobby Witt or someone later in the Royals game? Um, no, it's a pitcher got called for a, an automatic oh. ball.
1: Yeah. I, I missed that part, to be honest with you. I definitely saw the Manny Machado thing. But, yeah, I think it's awesome. And it's something as a guy who goes to – well, he used to go to a lot of minor league games before he started working a whole heck of a lot. Um, you really don't notice it. it it's something that – the the reason you're noticing it now is because you have, like, a literal 24 on Fox-like thing. Yeah, I don't background. like that. I don't like that. I don't love that. I, I'll be honest with you. It is not my favorite thing. Um just because it, it, it's so unnecessary. Just put the thing behind center field and, and you know, there's the person who needs to know it is the home plate umpire. And yes. you know, it's something to pay attention to for as a fan, but you can look, there's all of these fancy stadiums now have lots of places that you can put a timer up that you can go look at it. It definitely doesn't need to be behind home plate. It may need to be behind home plate for Cactus League Great for League games just because mm-hmm. of the fact that you, know, you don't have a ton of those fancy scoreboards, but it is going to stick out like a sore thumb. But look, I love it. I, I will be honest with you. I am a little bit Abraham J. Simpson when it comes to, like, some of the baseball stuff. Like, I will yell at the cloud. I don't mind a long baseball game. It's it's one of the things I love about baseball is that there is no time limit, and there's lots of things that can happen. Now, look, spring training baseball is useless other than getting ready <laughs> to get players ready to play, man. So, yeah, there, a two-and-a-half-hour spring training game, especially if you're – you know, like I'll call out Ryan Divich at the Seattle Times is probably loving this, that he can go to go to Wyoming whatever, or whatever. Yeah, go to whatever, go drink the rest of his liver away, man, that he has to love that portion of it. And there's no reason for a three and a half hour spring training baseball game that just isn't. But I think it's going to be really fun and I think it's going to play a huge effect Mm. On how the game is played with the shift and all of that stuff, I'm I'm really excited for that stuff. I and I'm yeah. guessing you are as well.
2: Yeah, I want I like you said I, I want it to be in the background of my viewing experience. Not I don't want it to be like the shot clock in the NBA. I, I yes. you can have the home plate ump and the pitcher and the batter know what's going on. Posted obviously for in their sight lines, but tell me if there was a violation and that's fine. Um, yes, I don't I don't need to to be like looking at the clock, every pitch, I, I think that that would kind of ruin my viewing experience or, or it would just like, I don't, I just don't want it as part of my view. Yes. Experience. No,
1: um, I, totally I, I, I,
2: I like what you said about spring training games. Like, man, always the first day when there's baseball on TV, everyone's very excited and I get excited too, but man, sure. about a inning and a half in, you're like, <laughs> all right. So when does yeah. the regular season start? Like, Yes. Oh, 100%. The the World Baseball Classic will be fun because it's just, you know, we're both bona fide baseball lifetime fans. I love baseball, um, but meaningless baseball is just not, it's not for me. It's not for me
1: either. As as much, it's like, it's weird because I always like. Man, you have to go to spring training. I tell all everybody, you have to go, and then they're like, "Are the games good?" And I'm kind of like, well, "No, no, no. <laughs> That's not why you're going down the middle. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice break from probably whatever weather you have, uh, but it is not great baseball. By the way, this will not be the last time that we have a uh,
2: 15 minute uh, intro.
1: <laughs> 15 minute intro, and that goes into uh, a different subject entirely. That is just something that you're go- all going to have to get used to very fun people I wanted to go over the run leaders of last year because this actually kind of surprised me a little bit just how many we see a lot of categories sometimes where there are guys who just kind of pop up among the leaders you know what I mean like guys that you just really don't expect to be there but these are the top 10 and these uh, amazingly these are all guys who scored over a hundred runs it kind of worked out that way that to finish in the top 10 but look We've got Aaron Judge scored 133 runs last year and easily finished at the top as he basically led every offensive category possible. Number two, tied for both with Dodgers, we had Freddie Freeman at 117 and Mookie Betts at 117. We had the NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt, finished fourth with 106. Jose Altuve, 103, Brandon Nimmo, 102, Marcus Simeon, 101, Trey Turner, 101, Manny Machado, 100, and Kyle Schwarber, 100. With the exception of Nimmo, and I guess Schwarber was uh, more of a middle-round pick than a guy who was going in top three rounds. These are the big guys. These are very, very highly drafted players, and they're going off the board early this year. And I think one of the things that this kind of points out to me is I think we talk about table-setters, guys who get on base – the easiest way to score a run is to hit a home run and produce your own runs. Exactly. (laughs) And a lot of those guys hit an awful lot of homers, but you also see guys like, you know, Benson Freeman who certainly aren't dink and dunk players by any stretch of the imagination, but get to score a lot of runs because they play in one of the best lineups in baseball. And, you know, a guy like Brandon Nimmo is probably the best example of that table setter. Again, not a dink and dunk hitter, but a guy who, Is going to score a lot of runs because he's hitting behind guys like Pete Alonzo. I think it's really interesting to look at this because if you are attacking that run category, it's going to fill out with your home runs and your RBIs and stuff like that as well. Yes, there are some table setters here. Yes, there are some guys who can run pretty well in guys like Simeon and Turner. But you also have your big bastards in the run leaders as well.
2: Yeah, it's what we said at the top, there's no real strategy to attacking runs scored good players in productive lineups are going to score a lot of runs. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. And beyond the, the guys that reach a hundred runs or even 90 plus runs, you know, you're searching for the guys that are going to sneakily get you 70 plus, you know, right. like at the back end of a draft. And hopefully that's what we can kind of talk about sure. today. Like, yeah, the idea of like the traditional, you know, scrappy table setter, that's not usually the scrappy table setter that doesn't do much else besides score runs. There are just aren't are really that many of those guys like, no, because lineups, you know, teams have gotten smarter and and lineups feature the best players at the top. More often. Now you don't really have like a David Eckstein leading off. No. Nope. Um, I mean, mean, on some teams, there are cases like that because that's the best they have or the the manager hasn't adapted to the idea of giving your best hitters the most at-bats, which seems like a pretty basic concept um, that most teams by now have learned. Um, Some teams just don't have good players, too.
1: Yeah, that's true. There are some teams that have some really anemic lineups that are just not going to score, especially this year. Like just looking at Oakland's projected lineup, man, that's you're, like
2: you're like, uh, th- this is spoilers for, for my sleepers and busts, man.
1: Yeah, let's sorry just get about into that. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to take a look at some players. You know, look, the, the big boys, uh, the big people are going to score the most amount of runs. That is just going to be what it is, but it, it is something I think it's worth pointing out is that those guys who are going to be up there in the average category, up there in the home run category up there in the RBR category nine times out of 10 are probably going to be up there in the run category as well. And you took a look just at those names, like those are guys who can hit a baseball in a long way. It is not, it is not your grandpa's day an uh, age of having the guys like Eckstein. That was a perfect, uh, perfect drop. I did not think we'd be talking about David Eckstein today. Eckstein but, yeah. one,
2: two, three is my Twitter.
1: password. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, we're going to talk about some guys that are not necessarily in that group but have a chance to be real contributors uh, in the – we'll call them sleepers for lack of a better term. I'll start off, Drew. Just one guy I think is being really underrated in drafts right now and is going to hit at the top of a lineup that is flawed but has some talent. I want to talk about MJ Melendez because especially if he's leading off, especially if he still you know, has that catcher eligibility in a lot of leagues – I think he has a chance to be a really, really solid contributor in this category. Has plus power. I believe he hit close to 50 home runs in his most recent complete minor league season. Went through some ups and downs as a rookie, but I think there was more positive than negative to be taken there. What do you think about NJ Melendez as a potential contributor in this category?
2: I'm into it. I, I I think he's a really good hitter. He's mostly going to be used at DH, but who cares if you have the catcher eligibility? Yeah, exactly. Catcher eligibility, right? Um, and again, you know, another year of looking at that Royals lineup and being like, hmm, there's something here. Um, Melendez probably Bobby Witt Jr. second. Salvi Perez Pasquantino. Yep. Um, you know, you got to do the hand thing when you're doing Pasquintino? Quintino, the uh, Edward Olivares, <laughs> Kyle Isbell has like forever been a sleeper that, you know, maybe he's still, like a yeah. post 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 type guy this year. Uh, Michael Massey is interesting. Like uh, up and down yeah. in that lineup, there are, there are some interesting players. Maybe Fran Mil Reyes can like, you know, just turn back the clock to a year ago, not 2022, Please. but 2021 when he could be like a 35 yeah. homer hitter. Um, so there's some juice in that lineup and, um, Melendez is, is a guy that, you know, could be a a table setter with power, um, can score runs in a lot of different ways. And yeah, he's someone that I'm, once I finally do get into, to my own fantasy drafts, I could see having a lot of shares of him, the catcher position. Um, I I know there've been other positional previews on on the road to where fantasy baseball podcast, but I love that we finally have like some injection of new talent at that spot because, it's been like, I don't know what you do. you I, you can't even compare it to anything in any other sport. Oh. I feel like tight end was like that for a while yeah. like in football, but now there's good tight ends. Or yeah. I guess this this past year tight end was rough. Um, yeah, but it was. It catcher has just been a a nightmare. Like, do I even draft one? Do I just no. kind of stream them? Or if you don't get like real Muto at the top, yeah, um, it's like eh, I'll just I'll just pick one up every other week and figure it out.
1: And the cool thing is, is we've got some really quality young players uh, at the position right now. And we've got a bunch on the way too. the catching. I've talked to scouts about this. I've talked about uh, yeah. this with a bunch of folks like the catcher position in the minor leagues is as good as it's ever been in my many years of doing this. Do
2: you, know um, what, do you know what to well, attribute that to like because we had that influx at shortstop and that yeah. just makes sense to me because sure. when you come up playing amateur baseball, your best That's player's best player. Yep. I feel like catcher, if you're a good catcher, you'll probably get moved off that position to, to keep you healthy. Yes. it. I, it's, it's uh, a maybe little Maybe there's bit, not a real answer. Yeah.
1: There's, there's, it's cyclical a little bit. Like mm. we have had runs like this before where we've had some, some interesting catching prospects, but nothing like this. I think what it is, is, teams are realizing just how much value you can get by having that guy at catcher. And it's a position that you don't have to like, look, there was cases like Bryce Harper got moved after off of catcher, like 10 seconds after he got drafted. It was was like, yeah. yeah. And like Kyle Swirder had no chance of being a catcher. Sure. The the fact that he's an outfielder is honestly surprising to me, to be completely honest with you. But I think teams are realizing that they don't have to make the switch right now see what happens and we are so much better about um training guys and keeping them healthy yeah keeping them healthy like look catcher used to be for lack of a better term a death sentence for some players really? like here it is such a grueling position and it still is but guys are in better shape now um i do think that we are going to see a lot more quality players stay at catcher for as long as they can knowing that if they're athletic enough they can make that switch to the, the corner outfield or third base or first base. Um, but yeah, I do think that we are going to start seeing a lot more players at the position, and that's great for fantasy because there's nothing worse. Heaven forbid you play in a two-catcher league where there is just <laughs> nothing after the first seven or eight options. Heaven forbid. But now – I do think we're going to see a lot more quality. Uh, Drew, offer me a uh, a sleeper at the run position.
2: So my, my first guy is Seiya Suzuki, and he's not much of a sleeper. Like, I'm, no. I'm be, being loose with that term here at the top, and there's a lot of looseness with that term anyway. I talked about groupthink um, in our 15-minute intro. Like, yeah, the, the popular sleepers is popular. Like, popular sleeper is, what is that, an oxymoron? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you can't be a popular sleeper. Um, yeah. But I anyway, I feel like it flew under the radar a bit how good Suzuki was for stretches during his first MLB oh, yeah. season. Like you look at his rolling woba chart weighted on base average and you can like very quickly identify where his injuries fell. Um, had a great start, then got injured. Then as he got it going again, another injury toward the end of the season. But he said he added about 20 pounds over the offseason, hopefully mostly that is muscle, um, leading into 2023. He wants to be more durable for the duration of the season and let his power shine a bit more. Still finished the year last year with a 770 OPS, 14 home runs, 9 steals, 46 RBIs, and of course we're talking about runs scored. He had 54 in that area. That was spread over 114 games. Again, he missed Mm. time with some injuries, but you factor in like the personal stops and starts for Suzuki and that the Cubs offense overall was pretty bad. And they're just like obvious pointed reasons as to why his counting stats were fairly mediocre in the end. Um, So now he's bulked up a bit. um, Hopefully won't have these nagging injuries. A lot of it was bad luck last year. Like it's not like something to be concerned about. He was a very durable guy throughout his time in Japan. Um, Plus the Cubs did spend a lot of money this winter, mostly on offensive pieces. Did they spend in the right ways? I don't know. We'll see. Um, But that lineup sure looks better on paper. And we can probably say with like at least some degree of certainty that it's, they're not going to do like a deadline sell-off. Like they're, they're kind of trying to turn the corner on this sort of rolling rebuild. I, I don't, I'm confused on the Cubs ownership and management strategy, but Hey, it's a better team now than it was last year. Yeah, um, we'll see. Suzuki hit second a lot last year. Um, settled into some cleanup too, and and maybe if he's becomes this power hitter that he wants to become, he's going to hit more cleanup. Um, I think we'll see him in between those spots most of the year, and with a better OBP, you know, maybe he gets turns at leadoff or, or finds a real home in the number two spot, which is obviously good for runs scored, hitting in front of Ian Happ and Dansby Swanson. A bounce back candidate and Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini, Eric Cosmer, Matt Mervis coming along. Um, yeah. there there are like some components there that you can at least dream on for for this becoming a productive lineup and for Suzuki to be a big part of that. He had a three fifteen batting average and a four fourteen on base percentage in more than thirty five hundred plate appearances in Japan. He's a good hitter. Um, and could potentially cross the plate a lot this year, like that's what you're looking for. And I think he's going to get you the homers and, and the and the the steals too. Like he's he's got that kind of skill set. He's only 28 years old. You know, he didn't come over at age 31 like some other Japanese or Korean sluggers have. Um, right. Going outside the top 100 at at current ADP, outside the top 150 in, in certain on, on certain sites. Um, so I, I feel like he's going to have a really good year and and I think he's going to deliver in the run scat run scored category with a better supporting cast around him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Suzuki is being totally underrated for, you know, I think he's paying a tax of being good, not great in his rookie season. And I think that is, we should be focused on the positive of what Suzuki did in his first season, rather than, um, you know, some, some low points. There's no question about it. He started out a bit as hot as you could be. There was no question about it. We were talking about him and rookie of the year. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, he went through some stuff, but that is to be expected. Um, guy, me, I I am sure everybody has this guy on their sleeper list and I am not alone. I'm going with Brian Dela Cruz. Look, if you just look at the overall numbers in his basically first full professional season, Not that great. 252, 294, 432, 13 home runs, four stolen bases. But, man, and I know we can get in trouble just looking at metrics on baseball savant, but you look at what these numbers are. Hard hit percentage, he ranked in the 86th percentile. Expected weighted on-base average, he was in the 90th percentile. Expected batting average, he's in the 96th percentile. Expected slugging, 94th percentile. He's an above-average runner. I think the Marlins lineup is going to be significantly better in part because it can't be that much worse than it was last year, but I think he's going to probably, even if he's sitting in the middle of the lineup, great. If you put him at the top of the lineup with some guys like Jazz Chisholm to knock him in, I think he can be a major contributor in the runs category. Only scored 38 last year. I'll go double that, I'm guessing, this year. And he might be a guy who approaches that 85 to 90. I am a big believer in this guy. It's worth pointing out he's only 26 years old, yeah. started to really put things together towards the end of the year. I am all in on Brian De La Cruz being a big time fantasy contributor and really helping in that run category.
2: I've been burned by so many Marlins' position, young I position. Hear you. I hear okay. you, man. But it's. You know that's the thing of like oh you you can't draft this guy out of this school because yes. a bunch of other guys from this school have not panned out. It's like, well these are individual people. You know like they're not you can't judge them based off where they spent two and a half years or something. Um, yeah. So I, I'm into it. It, it. It's almost like the Marlins are due for one of these position player talents to become a star, right? It's 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 been a while. It's been since Yelich Ozuna stan you know, um, they're they're due to to have one finally click, and well, sure. I I guess Jazz Chisholm, you know, he he would qualify as that kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I even on him, like, uh, we still kind of need to see it for a fuller season. And absolutely, I, I mean, he's the dude is dripping with fantasy upside, so I'm 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 definitely gonna try to get some shares of him. But, um, I'm I'm going to CJ Abrams for my second sleeper and nationals manager dave martinez said for, you call him dave or davey i just call him mr martinez when we mr you <laughs> like just to just avoid him. the conundrum yeah. well I, I just i noticed that some nationals beat writers will say it's davey yeah. and i'm as a writer i'm like a little bit ocd i think yeah you know, that's just being a good writer probably um, yeah but i'm like I, I always want to stick to one. I'm like, should it be Davey or Dave? I'm going Dave because it seems more formal. I don't know. Yes. Anyway, he yeah. said uh, Friday in camp, and I, I wrote up this note on roto that Abrams has a path to, to making his way toward the top of the Nationals lineup if he has a strong showing this spring. Lane Thomas is sort of locked into the leadoff spot for Washington. He's a bit of a, a run-scored sleeper, too. Um, but, man, it'd be fun to see Abrams really get it going in the Grapefruit League and then to to carry that over into the regular season. Loads of talent, loads of long-term fantasy upside with his speed, and I think, you know, improving that. Um, he, he didn't do much as a rookie last year between the Padres and Nationals, came over in that Juan Soto and Josh Bell trade. Uh, but a career 331 average, 385 on base percentage in the minor leagues, 42 steals and 114 career minor league games yeah. that he has only played 114 minor league games is, is pretty wild. But, you know, COVID obviously got in the way there, um, just sapped his 2020 season. I don't need to tell you or our listeners that the Nationals lineup is severely lacking in depth. Um, it's, so it's not like Abrams has to be a superstar immediately to make his way up it into that number two spot. Um, he just has to be kind of good, and the skill set says he can be kind of good at the very least in 2023. Um, ADP right now in the 240s. So nice. I, I mean, it, it, like for some shallower leagues, that he's going to go undrafted, and I think. The raw tools there and the possibility of batting near the top um, of again a pretty weak lineup. Why not? Why not throw a dart there? I mean, he
1: is one of the most talented infield prospects that I've scouted over the last mm-hmm. few years. And I think people forget that he was coming off a pretty gruesome injury the yeah. uh, previous season. And that is, again, it's similar to Suzuki, but to a, a grander scale in that. We should take away the positives of what he showed in that. For example, more than to me, in my personal opinion, the struggles that he had because of the fact that he really never played above Double A, other than you know some brief Arizona Fall League reps. He didn't even really get a chance to play in the Arizona Fall League. I don't know if it's this year, but at some point, I think CJ Abrams is going to be a a fantasy stalwart, a guy who contributes in every single category and this guy is kind of the opposite of abrams in some way but similar in another i'm going with another cub nico horner um Hmm. i think he's going to hit at the top of that lineup and for all the here's a
2: here's a scrappy table setter we found one
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah look this is not a guy who is going to hit a ton of homers uh only hit nine last year and 523 at bats but hit two seventy nine, three thirty one, three ninety six, and I honestly think that's a little misleading. He was much better than that for most of the season, and the the metrics back that up as well. Look, I think hitting behind Dansby Swanson, Ian Happ, Sayo Suzuki, Trey Mancini, I am not a, a big believer in Eric Cosmer. I imagine that's going to, to be honest with you, Mervis spectacularly. Yeah. I, I think we will see Matt Mervis at some point, but this is a like saying this lineup is better than last year is the understatement of understatements. I think he's going to be really good at the top Um, scored 67 runs last year. I would imagine that he's assuming he's sitting at the top of the lineup. And I think they're going to find a way to get him a lot of playing time in a lot of different places. I know he's penciled in probably at second base to begin the year, but this guy could kind of play a little bit of everything, but they're going to find a way to get him in the lineup. And I think because of the fact that he's going to score the Cubs are going to score quite a bit more runs than they did last year, and the NL Central is still ten pounds of crap in a five-pound bag. I imagine that Nico Horner. I'll respect to your Cardinals, Drew. <laughs> uh, I still, I still think that there are some ample opportunities for him to score runs at the top of that
2: lineup. I do wonder how the the balance schedule is going to affect my Cardinals. Yeah, that's I, a great I, point. I agree that the Central is a what is it a ten pound? I, I can't keep up with your. Seattle,
1: crap and a five-pound bag—that is not a Seattle phrase. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to don't give don't you crap. Don't put
1: that blame. Don't put that blame on the good people of the two hundred six, That is a a very common phrase. Uh, go, Drew. Quickly go through uh, because we need to get to the second half of our show. Go quickly through uh, your other options for sleepers this year.
2: Yeah, Jake McCarthy really stands out to me, and this is another guy that's not a sleeper. Like, if we're talking groupthink, he's already. I think. Um, there's is it fantasy pros or uh, there are some sites that like track ADP movement. Sure. Um, and he, he's just shooting up boards, yeah. And you know, Corbin Carroll gets a lot of the love in the Diamondbacks outfield, and rightly so. Uh, but McCarthy is just super interesting for fantasy purposes. 25 years old, speed and contact in his batting profile, had a really good second half last season. Um, 23 stolen bases, 53 runs in 99 total games, but he wasn't an everyday player for a lot of the year. Um, was but, but became their number three hitter down the stretch. And I know that the D-backs are like sort of everyone's favorite sneaker team right now and that everyone has been burned on that idea in the past, but it, it is an intriguing roster. Sure. Um, what's their over-under win total? I can pull that up real quick.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because they, they, they have – a extreme wide uh, variety of outcomes in my personal opinion. Yeah. Just and how, it's,
2: it's yeah. been that way the last couple of years. And man, they were horrible. And then I don't know, going into last season, I, I bet the over on their win total. It's 74.5 this year. Hmm. Ooh, that's a
1: tough one.
2: That is a really yeah, no, tough one. To Vegas, to the the, yeah, the the odds makers are pretty good at what they do. <laughs> they they are very. I, good I think I'd there. lean over there. You know, if if enough goes right, they can push for eighty wins and sure. and challenge for a wild card spot. I I really hmm. believe that. Interesting. Um, obviously, a tough division, but yeah, McCarthy is going to be a big part of this and locked yes. in as the everyday right fielder, possible number two, number three hitter. Uh, depending on if the Diamondbacks want to break up the lefties at the top. So, you know, it would go – an ideal situation, it would go Carroll, who's a left-handed hitter, Cattell Marte, who's a switch hitter, and then McCarthy. Or you could put McCarthy in that two-hole against a right-handed pitcher. And I don't know, that's a pretty good way to attack an opponent. And then you have Christian Walker, Josh Rojas, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, you might have forgot that they traded for him. Alec Thomas is another intriguing, talented young outfielder. Um there's a lot to like and again McCarthy is is part of what what's to like there. 195 ADP on ESPN.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's more around 130 on like real sure. you know serious hardcore fantasy sites. So I, you know, but if you're playing in a casual league which most fantasy baseball managers play in just casual leagues with their buddies, I think he's a great value beyond the 150 spot. Um he's going to be really productive. Tyro Estrada, you know, for the Giants pops out to me everybody's favorite like week to week waiver wire pickup for the past yes. couple of years yeah um he's almost like a position player streamer um, yes he is just sitting at, sitting at the top of the waiver wire and you're like oh he's eligible at yeah. second base shortstop and the outfield i might as well grab him i need i need help there um but he's actually being drafted a bit this year adp in the the 190 to 200 mm-hmm. range um he's probably gonna hit leadoff for the Giants had 14 homers and 21 steals last year for the Giants in 140 games. That's a mini breakout in my mind. Um, and, and consistently moved up the lineup as the season rolled along. I I think he will see looks out of the leadoff spot. It's not a great lineup on the surface, but maybe Mitch Haniger can stay healthy and be productive. Michael Conforto, um, who knows what we can see from him, but he was, he's been really good in the past. Um, and and coming off, he's like, I mean, he's going to be a full calendar year removed from that that shoulder surgery as we push into to the real meat of the regular season. Um, I'm going to wind up with a lot of late round value shares on Estrada. And if it doesn't work out, you know, you'll put him back yeah. on the waiver wire where he, he seems to like to be <laughs> yeah. um, a, so a couple of deep, really deep guys. Tony Kemp, um, this is I said you were spoiling talking about yeah. the A's lineup. Um, this is. You know, this is all about situation, even yes. more than the other guys, because that A's lineup is so dreadful and Kemp should sit atop it most days and nights. His OBP tanked last year to 308, but it was at 382 in 2021. Um, it was at 363 during the COVID shortened 2020 season. If he can get back to 360, even like 350, you're going to get some runs out of that for a dude who's at an ADP of in the 400s. Um, so this is deep league option. Um, not being selected in in standard shallower leagues. Um, yeah, he's not fast, but he had 11 steals and 12 attempts last year. And I mean, someone's got to score runs in Oakland, right? So it, yeah. it, might as well, it might as well be him. My other one to top it off is Nolan Jones um, of the Rockies, another deep league guy. But the buzz is growing already in in Rockies camp that Jones will be on the opening day roster. Um, and that he could hit his way into a regular role. There are durability concerns in that outfield. Uh, we love a good course field dart throw at the end of the draft, or, or even yeah. like to pick him up off the waiver wire. He was acquired from the Guardians via trade this winter. He's getting reps at first base and third base and both corner outfield spots right now in Rockies camp. Had a three ninety four on on-base percentage in more than 2,000 minor league plate appearances. Really so good approach. Yeah, if this regular job does come to fruition, I mean, Jones could march up that lineup in Colorado and bring a lot to the table in, in a fantasy sense with that favorable home hitting environment. Man, I, I was when we were talking pitch clock, my mind went to what are I feel so bad for course field pitchers. Yeah, right? Oh my god. It's already hard enough to like load up and get your stuff at at its at its very best in that yeah. in that environment. Like I don't know. We're going to see some wild games. I wouldn't count on many two hour and 30 minute games at Coors field this year. It's just going to be, I don't know. I think the hitters are going to to be feasting. (laughs) Like, I, I, I don't know. And, and I mean, I think, I think we're going to be talking more about Nolan Jones as the season rolls along. Like maybe he doesn't have this regular role out of the gate. He'd really have to light it up this spring, but who knows on Chris Bryant's health, like he would be a perfect guy to plug in, plug in there. I mean, Chris Bryant has already kind of hinted that he's still having some soreness with his plantar fasciitis. He he worked really hard over the winter to to kind of find a strategy of managing it. But I mean, I I have friends and family members that have battled plantar fasciitis, and the only way to to heal it is to rest for like a year. And right. he doesn't have the luxury of doing that. I mean, he rested a lot last year, but he had to get back into his offseason routine. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'm worried about that for a guy who's not really that old.
1: Yep, yep, that's a good call, and I really like Nolan Jones as well. That is a player that I think, you know, was a top 50 prospect not that long ago, has lost some of the luster because he hasn't really shown the power that he yeah. necessarily was expected to show, but that approach is still there, and Coorsfield kind of has this way of making uh, some power show up. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll offer some players that might disappoint in the run category, and also we're going to play a fun little game and look at who will outscore who. Oh no! The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there is no place to play, but no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball right now. Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has five hundred thousand in total prizes. In best ball, all you're doing is joining a contest, you draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineups. That's three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. And getting started is simple. You go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will underdog double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. You'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo cub promo code RWMLB. Draft your 100 thousand dollar dinger team today.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform.
1: And if you're looking for a place to customize your fantasy league and play a variety of formats, Drew, I think we both can't recommend Fantrax enough. Creating the scoring system that you want to play with, waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more. And the best part about Fantrax, it's free. Now I'm in several Fantrax leagues and I'm starting a couple more. Ease of play is second to none, whether you're doing Redraft, Dynasty Keeper, or whatever the heck format that you're going to play. If you sign up for free today, you get a chance to enter to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's pretty good. He yeah. plays baseball pretty hard. All you have to do is go to Fantrax.com/rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com/rotowire. Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports. Fantrax is pretty great, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's a perfect format for, I, I I think it's like the best place to draft. I, I don't know why. I just love their like user interface. But speaking of underdog, we should do a, some best ball drafts. With, that would be good podcast content. Like, Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? Because I think like yeah. a standard snake draft does, does not fit well with like podcasting because you're not in control of, of everything, obviously, and you're just right. kind of talking through it. But best mm-hmm. ball, let's do that in a, in a future week for sure. No, you can't tell me what to do.
1: But that that will be. I, I suggested weather. it. I suggest yeah,
2: you're allowed to say that's, no to things, Chris. That's
1: totally fair. Just keep in mind that your boy lives in Washington State, and not all things that are eligible for you in the good, the show me state, are no, necessarily
2: it's, eligible it's, it's, for you. it's it's. Yeah. Wait, you can't even Shit. do DFS. There is no, uh, there's no option for that, unfortunately. But. Wow. Um, yeah, it stinks. Uh,
1: but even uh, even here
2: in Missouri, we can do DFS, brother.
1: You know, I will say there there are uh, very pretty numbers that I can use to play very the pretty p numbers oh, and I that I might be able to <laughs> participate with. Um, can you just
2: like head out into the Pacific Ocean and you know international so just, waters?
1: Every time I talk to you, I think about heading out into the Pacific. Oh my
2: um, God. This is yeah. turned. This has turned rough, dude.
1: All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's just uh, some of the uh, humor that you'll get as uh, during our weekend shows. Let's talk about. I hate the word busts so much, but let's talk about some players that we think are going to disappoint. And I'll start first. And this one kind of hurts me because I love this player, especially long term. I have some concerns about Michael Harris, and it's not because of the talent; it's because of the approach at the plate. And the fact of the matter is, is this guy swings at everything and that can be awfully good for some players. There are players like Tim Anderson who, you know, everybody says, when is this going to fall apart? Well, the answer is never. He's just one of those guys who uh, is going to make hard contact and walk negative six times a year. But I'm always a little skeptical of how that works. And I think Harris will figure it out as he's going, but I have some worries about the, him I think he's got a chance to hit at the top of a really good lineup, and it wouldn't shock me if this became a freezing cold take. But I'm a little worried about Michael Harris to start the year in terms of the run category, and he's being drafted very highly, very highly, and understandably so. The talent is unquestionable, and I think that there was way more good than bad, obviously. For a guy who uh, ended up being one of the top, I believe, 30 fantasy players in baseball, even after not starting the year on the roster. But i got to be honest with you. If there was a player that I'd be betting on a second-year slump and I I wouldn't make this bet because it would hurt me, Michael Harris would probably be that
2: player. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of screams sophomore slump. Um, yeah. Like he can't, he can't be better than he was last year. Right. If he is,
1: then we're just given the gold jacket. Then right he's now. a first,
2: then he's a top five pick. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, exactly.
2: Yeah. I, I have some concerns there too. And and as you said that that lineup in Atlanta is really good. And so he yeah. could easily slide down it. Like, you know Um, yeah, I, I agree with you there at at the price point right now i'm kind of like eh, i think yeah. i can I, I think i believe in some other players a little bit more i i hope that he's as good as he showed last Me year too. i think he he's is a really so good fun. player yeah absolutely. and he's really good defensively and he's got the raw skills to to kind of like tim anderson's a great comp just just to kind of figure it out even with a poor plate approach
1: absolutely i mean you look at the savant page too and it's like yeah it, it looks like a Utah election. There's so much red in here. Like, the, like he is a unbelievable talent, and he's only 21 years old. And I think at the end of his career, we're going to be talking about him being one of the better fantasy players. And, heck, it's going to happen. He's still going to be a good fantasy player, yeah. even if he uh, disappoints a little bit But this in year. runs, yeah. But I am a little bit concerned. He scored 75 last year. I would guess that that's right around what he scores this year. And that's good but it's not necessarily a guy who's going in the first two rounds in a lot of drafts. Who are
2: you? uh,
1: Who are you fading? I guess it's the nice way to put it. Mr. Silva.
2: So Glaber Torres, and Mm. um, this is a case of, I I don't know how to put it. I love roster resource, the MLB depth charts and fan graphs folks. It's an incredible thing to have. I always have a tab open to their depth charts pages for a fantasy writer or just anyone that's a, a baseball fan. But that you being can... said, John
1: Becker, stop tweeting so much. It's okay, man. Go outside.
2: <laughs> Poor John. Um, but you, you can fall into the. Tra- You're taking a lot of shots today. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: That's, that's, you know, it's... you
2: know, people actually listen to this podcast.
1: Oh, that's a good point.
2: <laughs> but but you can fall into the the point I was making about roster resource. You could fall into the trap of of thinking that those projected lineups that they have on there are set in stone, and that's right. the way it's going to be. And, you know, those people who do those updates are awesome, and but they're just working with the same information that we all have, you know, educated guesses. Torres right now sits at the top of the Yankees projected lineup over there and in a lot of places other too, again, not dogging roster resources choice no. in that at all, because, you know, he he probably will. Um, but is he going to do it lead off regularly all year? Well, even beyond yeah. the Yankees roster come opening day, like there's been talk of the Yankees flipping Torres in a trade for a starting pitcher after they right. lost Frankie Montas to likely season ending surgery. Um, it's very like sexy to imagine a 120 ish ADP second baseman with power batting in front of Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stan and Anthony Rizzo. But, just be careful like yeah taurus was solid last year when he hit 24 home runs but he had a 3.10 on base percentage just be careful in thinking that he's going to be the table setter for that for that team I, i'm not sold that that's actually going to going to happen um they have options of what to do man just bet aaron judge lead off you know like, yeah honestly and then, I, yeah. that's
1: what i would do I, I would and i would figure out a way for him to bat 7th somehow too like just do something to get that guy as many players. Wait, bad
2: judge see. second and first.
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. What, what's there's, there's new rules being put in every year in baseball what? right now. Why can't Aaron judge?
2: Just I think plus? you you need to like uh, just do a little more research on that idea. I'll take like, a
1: look at it. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that's a great call on Torres and the fact that I do like if you were asking me to name like one player on a good team that won't be playing for that team in July, it would probably be Torres. And it's more to do with the fact that they have uh, some really good young talent up the middle. Uh, Anthony Volpe is a guy that I think
2: that's there's some fantasy upside.
1: (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. If you, and if you talk about him hitting near the top lineup, now, I'd imagine he wouldn't Mm -hmm. be like to at least to start or something like that. But I think that would be a guy to absolutely, uh, Take a look at that. But I think Taurus is a good call. Uh, my next guy is another sophomore guy, and it, it hurts me again. And we just had somebody in our chat. And thank you, everybody, who's watching us on YouTube, by the way. Uh, Steven Kwan. And it's more about the fact that I think pitchers are going to make an adjustment on the guy. And I was so impressed with what Kwan did. Like, his ability to make contact is one of the most impressive things I think I've ever seen. Like, he was literally in 100th percentile in strikeout and width percentage last year as a rookie. As a rookie baseball player, to do that is so impressive. But he was also one percentile in the hard-hit percentage, and he was in the third in average exit velocity, and he was 14th in expected slugging. And I also don't know if Cleveland's lineup is going to be great next year. I did love the Josh Bell acquisition. Um, it's mm. great to see the team actually spend money. Yeah, how, that's true. <laughs> how, about, how about that? A team actually trying to get better in the AL Central. It's uh, yeah. And to be fair, the Tigers did spend a bunch of money um, last offseason. but it has been a division that has been um, yeah. Uh, but I just, I have some real question marks about how Quan is going to be able to hit 298 with the 373 clip if he is making that little hard contact, his hard hit percentage was 20.8 last year. I mean, to say that's low, again, is another incredible understatement. Would it shock me at all if he is a guy who scored 100 runs? Not really, but I I am struggling with it right now. I'm kind of avoiding quad in my fantasy leagues.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll stay in the AL Central and, and throw out Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. Mm. Um, he got a five year, $75 million free agent deal from the white Sox this off season and good for him. Um, but, uh, going back to roster resource, the projection right now is that he will be their number two hitter. Um, very good OBP last season between the Royals and the Yankees. So I get it, but you've got so many bounce back candidates in the mix there on the South side of Chicago, Luis Robert Jr. He's a, is a junior now, Chris, <laughs> um, but he, most importantly, he's healthy and, and drawing a lot of praise this spring. And when he's going, he could be an MVP candidate and he could be their number two hitter. Um, Eloy Jimenez seems primed to mash. He's got better health. He's, he wants to play the outfield. He's feeling good this spring. Tim Anderson, Moncada, Grandal, Andrew Vaughn gets to be an everyday first baseman finally, which is where he belongs. Um, my worry with Ben Benintendi is that he falls down into like the number seven hole in that. Oh, batting sure. Yeah. And he just some, simply doesn't offer enough, you know, power or speed to be useful there to be useful as a number seven hitter in fantasy. He has to hit second in front of Robert and Eloy and Moncada and Vaughn. And, and it's not like Ben going early in drafts, um, but he's just one that I'd avoid. You can do better with the very long list of fantasy relevant outfielders on, uh, you know, that are, there's just, there's tons of them that, that I like better from an individual production standpoint than Ben Intendi. I, I don't think he's going to hit number two for the White Sox all season or even for large chunks of the season. He's like, you know, he's a, he's a fine player, but he never really developed into that like consistent 2020 type guy. You know, we thought maybe early on in, in his Red Sox career, this was like a, a 30 20, 40 20 kind of guy. And, He's just—he's not that player, and I think we can say that with confidence by now. Five years, seventy-five million is palatable for what he can do for that team, but I don't think it's going to be as as their number two hitter.
1: Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that as well. Um, my third guy—it's not so much about um, him; it's about where he finished last year. Now, if you guys were paying attention at the beginning of the show, and I, hopefully you were. Um, Dansby Swanson was just off the list of the runs leaders. I don't think he's going to come anywhere close to that. We just talked about the Cubs lineup. We offered two sleepers. So it's kind of funny to be talking about Dansby Swanson like this. But if you're expecting Dansby Swanson to be the same type of offensive player that he was in 2022, I think you're going to come away disappointed. And, again, he's not going to have the same – you know, we talk about uh, lineup protection and stuff like that, and it's very – Uh, I don't know the exact right word for it and whether or not it's actually real. But I think in fantasy baseball, it's pretty darn real because we are literally talking about guys being driven in by other players. And Dansby Swanson got to hit behind some of the very best players in baseball. He ain't doing that in 2022. And so I like Dansby Swanson. But if you're putting him, I think, in that elite category as a guy who is going to be like a top six or top seven shortstop, I think you're going to come away really, really disappointed.
2: Hassan Kim, I'll I'll run through a a few. Yeah. I think I got a few here to close out the show. Hassan Kim, is this is another case where the the preseason situation looks intriguing. Kim should be the opening day, second baseman, and an excellent Padres lineup with a chance to sometimes hit at the top of the lineup. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is is coming back. He's okay. eligible to return from his PED suspension on April 20th. And that infield is already crowded as is. Like, what do they have, four shortstops? Or at yeah. least, you know, four guys that have played shortstop or played the middle infield. And I feel like Kim might settle into more of a utility role as the regular season months play out. He's versatile. You know, that that role is actually a real nice, real-life fit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, moving around to a lot of different positions and, and kind of coming off the bench. And I bet that's ultimately what we see. So I, I wouldn't get caught up. He's probably going to be, you know, batting high in their lineup for the first two, three weeks of the season. Yeah. And then he's going to move into more of a, a super utility role. Um Tommy Edmund, uh it's become like an evergreen fantasy debate. Every spring is Tommy Edmund actually good. Um <laughs> I think he is good for what he is, but yeah, in terms of like the standard five by five fantasy scoring, you need him to bat leadoff for yeah. his totals to truly shine. Like outside of steals, he should keep running a lot wherever he's hitting, and the bigger bases help that, and the pitch clock helps that. He's a really smart base runner, takes great jumps, mm-hmm. uh, but he's proven to be more of a doubles hitter than a homers guy. And part of that is, I mean, Bush stadium is a tough place to, to put the baseball over the fence. And the, what I'm, what I'm really thinking with Edmund being a, a a run scored bust is that the Cardinals now have two good newer leadoff options and Brendan Donovan and Lars Newpar Edmund probably will get looks at the top here and there. Um, but my thinking is he's going to be more of a number nine hitter to sort of like roll the lineup over Um, which is a good spot for a guy with his skill set, a doubles hitter with speed. It makes sense in real-life baseball strategy, real-life baseball thinking, Um, but hitting ninth and getting fewer plate appearances in general, it's just not going to be good for his runs total. Um, Edmund has a 316 on base percentage in a sample size of more than 1,500 plate appearances since the beginning of 2020. Uh, Donovan last year as a rookie, a 394 OBP. Newbar led off in both of the wild card series games against the Phillies. This was kind of already happening. Um, yeah. And you, I think you can see how this might play out as the season goes along. Again, at, at roster resource, Edmund is, is penciled in as the Cardinals leadoff hitter. Right. It'll happen he, every once in a while, but he is not locked into that spot at all. No, no. Uh, again,
1: uh, Tommy Edmund is a guy that I think is almost the definition to me of better real life player than Benny's better, yeah. better fantasy player, but he does because of when he runs, he steals he, that, bases. Yeah, he does the stolen bases and that's a major category. It's probably one. We'll go over one of these uh, shows, I think. Um, so yeah, those are going to be the guys kind of our players to target and some players to fade. I wanted to play a fun game with you, drew to end this thing. And I'm going to call it the who scores more. And I'm going to start at the top uh, with
2: creative. Two, hey,
1: hey, thank you. Um, Two of the very, very best fantasy players in baseball, but I'll—I want you to tell me, right now, who scores more, Julio Rodriguez or Aaron Judge?
2: Oh, that's sick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man, I mean, Julio can produce his own runs too. Julio. Yeah,
1: he's sure. Can. You're going with Julio. I will go with Judge just because I think. I still like the Yankees lineup a little bit better of the chance to be. And and also the fact that I don't think Julio Rodriguez is necessarily going to be batting leadoff against right-handed pitching. It looks like it might be Colton Wong. So that is why I'm going with Judge. I think it's going to be really close. I will never say a negative word about you again, my sweet, sweet Julio. These two guys are kind of going around the same time. And I think this one is actually a pretty
2: interesting one. Bo Bichette or corey seeker who scores more runs i love Bo Bichette this year um i love that he's kind of coming at a a, a bit of a discount yeah um, i'm i'm gonna go Bo boat Bo all in i nah Co, corey seeger i i get that he's like a baseball savant um read a lot of red on that profile <laughs> it's
1: really impressive And I,
2: he's a really good hitter um, but I I don't know. He doesn't, he's not dynamic enough for me. And I, I, I mean, it's hard to do this with run score because I, I know. know my brain is going to all other portions of their game. And I'm like, well, yeah. just think about the total. But I, I think the blue Jays lineup is going to be, I think the blue Jays in general are going to be awesome. Their over under win total was I think ninety two and a half. Mm. I like them to win at least 95.
1: Yeah. I, I, they're probably who I'm picking to win the world series. I'm going
2: to uh,
1: but I'll, I'll tell you this, I have also picked the Blue Jays to win the World Series in 2022 and 2021. So, yeah, me too. you know, we'll see We'll see what happens there. But I do think that one's going to be close. Seager, in a disappointing year, scored 91 runs and deserved so much better offensively than he actually put up. Yeah. Um, so I do think this one will be close. I want to go with a couple of young players who are still technically prospects, but I think you're going to make their major league rosters. Gunner Henderson or Corbin Carroll, who scores more runs? Carroll. Interesting. Just because they're hitting at the top of that lineup that you talked about. With, it's with yeah, it's, it's
2: that's an easy data point to throw out, and and he's he's just he's more established, um, and I think he's awesome. And I and I again, I think the Diamondbacks are really intriguing. I mean, some things need to go right. I think Carroll's part of what can help them go right. I I think he's a stud and. Where where is he going right now in terms of ADP? It's it's pre- I, He's a guy that's been climbing and climbing too. Uh, he's going seventieth off the NFBC. I like that man. Well, that's I mean
1: yeah I I like it a lot too. Um I have more concerns about the Diamondbacks lineup just because I've been burnt by that uh, that group before. I think long term what they're building is incredible. Yeah. Um, but you know what though I'm gonna go with Gunnar Henderson to score more runs. I think Baltimore's lineup, especially with a full year of Adley Rutschman, who yep. I, I just think is a star. I, 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 he's going to be, if we do catcher rankings, he's going to rank either second or third on my catcher rankings. I why can't not put first? him up. Um, because Will Smith is really good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's the only reason why. I don't know, uh, man. But it wouldn't shock me if he finished first. And, you know, a lot of people will put Dalton Varsho, who I think is another interesting run category mm. guy. Um, it's like the thing about Dalton Varsho is I want to see it for a full season. I want ah, to actually yeah. see and put things together. There's no question about the talent. I love Gunnar Henderson. And I think one of the things that's underrated about Gunnar Henderson was he showed such a good approach at the plate during his time in the major leagues and 132 plate appearances, a 348 on base percentage for a player that young and inexperienced is really impressive. And 91st percentile in sprint speed. This guy's speed is really good. I think he's going to put himself into position to score a lot of runs. I am definitely a believer in Corbin Carroll too. I have them ranked literally next to each other. Jackson Churio is my top fantasy baseball prospect. And then Gunnar Henderson and Coral Carroll, Corbin Carroll are two and three for me but I really think Gunnar Henderson could be a real contributor in that category. Let's, let's go back to that one uh, in the coming monster, just to pay attention to see where those two yeah, guys are. Because should, I think, Yeah, we'll definitely pay attention to these. We guys. should put uh,
2: something on it. Some kind uh, of,
1: yeah. Uh, and we got gonna, a top
2: top chef draft coming up too.
1: You, we got a top chef, but the, you're going to offer me Provel cheese or something like that. I really would prefer not to win that
2: to Provel me. cheese is yeah. delicious. Oh well, gosh. it's not really cheese, but Pro I'm delicious. So,
1: I'm so glad we could
2: carry that over into this podcast. <laughs> I
1: wasn't planning on mentioning it, but it's amazing how these things work out. And what a perfect way to end the show. That's going to do it for I'm us. having it
2: for lunch, by the way.
1: Uh, good for you, buddy. Uh, you know what I'm doing for lunch? I'm going to the Friends Experience in Seattle. And we're going to be uh, looking at, like, some prop sets. It's my sister's birthday present. So that will be uh, an interesting thing to check out. Wish me luck, folks. Uh, That's going to do it. We really (laughs) want to thank our sponsors, Underdog Dynasty and Fantrax again. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Drew at DrewSylf. Stay tuned tomorrow as Drew and Ryan will be taking a look at that W category. Uh, Follow all of our stuff on social, RotoWire. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, everything. We really appreciate uh, the support. And it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to doing this over the next, uh, you know, ever. Maybe. But maybe this is this is just what I am now. So we're old, old and gray? Until, I got old well, and gray. Older and grayer, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for one of us. Uh, thank you again, everybody. And we will see you again next time.